Uh, welcome to the How's This for a Food Plant Ask It Basket Workshop. My name is Mary. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. And I'm your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, uh, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. To protect our anonymity, no photography or visual, visual recordings are allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It Basket is being circulated for the question and answer portion of this meeting. The meeting is being taped. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tape table to order copies of this workshop or any other meeting. They are available on CD or as an electronic download. The format for this meeting is as follows. Two speakers will share for 25 minutes each, followed by a 25 minute of questions and answers. The topic for this session is, how's this for a food plan? Our first speaker is Erin. I'm sorry, Katie from San Bruno. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Katie. Oh, that felt really good. Um, and it's really good to see faces I recognize. I always, I'm, a, I'm kind of impressed at how full this meeting is. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm always nervous when I speak for some reason. And, uh, and, uh, and that really is because it's an ego thing. It's a pride thing. You know, I, I want to give some incredibly wonderful share that's just going to like inspire everybody in this room to be perfectly and wonderfully abstinent and, and we're all going to go out into the world and just have perfectly wonderful lives and, you know, never, never have a care ever again. And if that happens, rock on. But it's not going to be because of anything I, that I did. It's going to be because our higher powers willed that for us to happen. So, so there's that. Um, I also need to say that um, everything, I, everything I'm saying is um, just my opinion. And, ju and it's just my experience. Um, take what you like, leave the rest. I'm not speaking for OA as a whole. Um, and if nothing I say resonates or makes sense to you, we do have another speaker. There's tons of other speakers this weekend. There's um, like hundreds of compulsory readers here, that, you know, in this hotel. Um, there's plenty of people you can talk to and get and get what you need, and, and you will hear your story sometimes. So just just don't just don't leave. Um, I love that. There's a couple of things that are making me smile about this meditate this um, uh, workshop right now. One is um, the the title is How's This? for a food plan. And I remember when the uh, speaker getter asked me to um, speak, you made sure I understand that that was how you said the title. How's this for a food plan? And um, and, and, and at first I, I, I just saw because I, I just, I was, you know, I was kind of tickled by his enthusiasm. And then the more I thought about it, it was like, well, we all have different food plans. We all have different nutritional needs. We all have different eating histories. Um, you know, not every food plan is going to work for everybody. And um, um, I, uh, I'm probably, you know, on the, if you want to look at the continuum of super, super strict and rigid to super flexible and no structure, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. And um, when I get some more details on my food plan, you'll probably see why, um, or see that that's true. 
I also find it ironic that uh, this meeting is from 4.45 to 6, right before dinner. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I'm very grateful that I've got dinner waiting in my room. So uh, if I get, I'm, I'm not super hungry right now, but um, if I start getting really hungry, at least I know food is waiting for me and I know what I'm going to eat. Got that planned out. Um, so, um, oh, I've got pictures. Which hopefully um, uh, should just kind of give you an idea of what I was like and, and, and that this program does work. Um, I, I think it would be helpful to tell a little bit of my story before I get into details about Food Plan. Um, I am, let's see, stats. So I am 37 years old. Um, I have been, my very first meeting was um, in April of 1990. Um, and then I did that program for a while, left for a few years. Um, came back in May of 2010, excuse me, 2000. Um, so, so this year I've got about 10 years back in program, 20 years since my first meeting. Um, my absence date is um, uh, August 11th of, I gotta do the math, 2001. So I'm coming up on, on about nine years. Um, so it's, it's, and that's August. So I'm having all these really cool like anniversaries going on, you know, um, back to back to back, um, which feels really good. So, um, to qualify. So I was, you know, I don't know if I was born a compulsive overeater or if I developed it, but I do remember food being an issue when I was a child. Um, I, I went to a doctor's appointment and my doctor told my mother I was too heavy and I, uh, and, um, and that has to be some height weight chart thing because I look at pictures of myself at the time and I was a pretty normal sized kid. Um, the doctor told my mother I could lose weight by, you know, turning down seconds and, and uh, not eating dessert. Um, and now I think about it, how prophetic, not eating dessert. But um, that was how I was going to lose weight. And, you know, um, thank, thankfully my parents didn't become the food police, but it did turn into a praiseworthy thing if I did indeed turn down seconds or turn down dessert. So suddenly it wasn't okay to eat what I wanted when I wanted. And, um, and I do recall at that time being the kid who could, you know, finish all the, all the desserts at the, at the birthday party, um, you know, any holiday that involved candy, you know, that candy would be gone in a few days. Um, and, uh, you know, just that's how I ate. You know, I, I would binge on things in the, in the pantry. Um, and, that, and that was the behavior I did, you know, up until basically I got absent, um, and, 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 and I was growing up at my parents' house, I, nobody really said anything to me about, oh, my God, you're eating so much, you know, because they either didn't, apparently they didn't notice when I was doing it in, in, out in public, and if I was sneaking stuff out of the cupboard they, and stuff was missing, they probably assumed my brother ate it. Um, I, have a, I have a younger brother who's 6'5", he was very athletic, and so, so a boy growing up that much, just need, he just needed to eat more than I did. So, um, and that, and that, and that, assumption that they didn't, my parents didn't, didn't know what was going on. It was kind of confirmed a few years ago when I made some comment about some, there was some addicts on a magazine about some kid who was eating brown sugar out of a box. They showed a picture of that. And I remember, I just remarked, like, wow, I used to do that. And my mother got this look of horror on her face, like, really? That was going on? You know, she just obviously didn't have a clue. Um, but you think if someone, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> my brother didn't eat a lot. He didn't eat sugar out of the box. If he was going to eat a big meal, it wasn't that. But anyway, um, somehow they never questioned that brown sugar was nothing, but um, so so I was actually kind of a normal sized kid, even though I was binge eating. Um, I, I guess I was active, so that's probably kept some of the weight off. I was kind of a chubby preteen, um, but it thinned out. I thinned out when I hit puberty. You know, so I got taller. You know, got hips and breasts, and everything kind of you know rearranged itself into into the right places. And um, there's a picture in my in my pictures of uh, my eighth grade graduation where I thought I was fat. I mean, I was probably an inch shorter than I am now. I was wearing a size six petite dress, and I thought I was fat wearing that dress. 
Um, I also remember, you know, trying to diet and trying to exercise. Like, I, I suddenly remember some TV show called Morning Stretch, and I would get up, like, you know, on, in the summer vacation at, like, 7 a.m. to do this exercise show because, you know, I don't know, that's what I needed to do to lose weight. And, you know, I was, like, nine doing this. And, um, you know, why, like, why was I not sleeping in on my, you know, summer vacation, <laughs> you know, when I'm nine years old? Um, and stuff like that. And so, anyway, so as a teenager, I kind of passed for normal. But, again, I was still doing all those, all those eating behaviors, you know, binge eating, going out with friends and, and eating a lot of stuff and, and you know, and just, just doing that. And somehow I didn't gain a whole lot of weight. I was kind of on the heavy side of normal. You know, my prom picture's in there, too. And, I, you know, I look, if you look closely, I look kind of chunky. But I could probably, you know, I could pass for normal. Um, I think that dress is a size 10, if I recall. Um, okay, so so my very first meeting that I ever heard about, uh, or the first time I heard about Overeaters Anonymous was um, when I was in high school. I had a teacher, had a, uh, um, a, uh, I'm going to try to say it. There's a poster up on her classroom wall, and it said anorexic, bulimic, try Overeaters Anonymous. And um, now at the time, you know, you know, anorexia and bulimia were the quote-unquote eating disorders. You know, that was, that was, the, that was the messed up thing to do with food. Um, you know, just eating a lot, and it's like, how do I ask for help on that? I remember, I remember having this feeling as a teenager, there was something wrong. Like, I, I, I related to those, you know, the, the, the movies of the week with, the, you know, the kid with the alcoholic parents or someone who's getting abused or, you know, kids doing drugs out, out behind the school. I somehow related to that even though I wasn't doing any of, any of that. Um, so, how, so how do I ask for help just because I eat too much and I'm kind of fat? I don't know how to ask for that. Um, and uh, anyway, so I think the word overeater really caught my attention, and I somehow got a meeting schedule. There was no Internet in those days, so I must have called the right hotline, and they sent me the unmarked envelope. And my parents never sent anything, and I just got the mail, and I got the schedule. And so I went to a meeting, and um, it happened to be the day before Easter. Um, and, you know, I walked in that meeting, and there was definitely kind of a, like, oh, my God, this, these are a bunch of losers sort of reaction. But at the same time, there was also there was a, there was a hook. There was... Here are people that do messed up things with food, just like me. And um, and there you go. So I, I, I don't think I'm after that Easter. I'm sure I ate my Easter candy the next day. But then, like, you know, a few weeks later after graduating from high school, I started, I started going to meetings pretty frequently. And I got a sponsor, and I, I started abstaining. Um, I did – I recall doing a pretty basic – uh, three meals a day, nothing in between, one day at a time, kind of kind of food plan. Um, I I didn't eat sugar in the first five ingredients, so definitely no definitely no sweets. Um, I called in my food, um, and uh, uh, you know as best I could, I tried to plan it out before before I ate it. I would call my sponsor and tell her what I ate, and then I would you know report if anything was different from that. Because um, I didn't know exactly, like, you know, well, my mom's making dinner, and usually she makes some meat and some vegetables and, like, a starch and we'll have something like that. So that's, that's what I would, I would tell her. And um, I lost a bunch of weight. I started college. I just broke my pen. Oh, anyway. Um, I, uh, I started college, you know, looking pretty thin. And, um, you know, somewhere in, somewhere in my freshman year in college, my freshman, first semester of college, I got down to my lowest weight ever. I, got down, I saw the number 116 on a scale. And I will tell you, I thought I was the shit. I'm like, I, I was 116. I looked good. I was having fun at school. You know, cause classes were great. And I had this really cute boyfriend. And, you know, I was, I, I was having friends. I was doing activities. And, you know, it was great. And then, well, life kind of started happening. Uh, school got harder. The boyfriend stopped working, stopped working out. Um, you know, there's a death in the family. Um, and if this was a fourth-step workshop, that would, I'd be telling you about that a little bit because I had a resentment about that for years, about how my family reacted to that. Um, but 
bottom line is I started eating again. I, I don't remember what happened a particular day, but I remember in the cafeteria and I picked up some cookies. Um, and uh, no, I take that back. It was even before that. It was at my grandfather's wake. I just started eating. And, and that was some serious public binge overeating. It's like whatever was there that was not nailed down, I was eating it. And, um, you know, my family who had, you know, some people in my family who had noticed I had lost a lot of weight, they were just like, wow, they must not be feeding you well in the dorms or something. You know, they're, I don't know. They're, that was, one of my aunts felt like she had to, like, excuse my behavior by, like, oh, they must have crappy food in the dorms. Actually, there's pretty good food in the dorms where I live, so there's no excuse for having a bad food plan. But um, anyway, long story short, I, I started overeating again, and then my sponsor couldn't sponsor me um, for other reasons. You know, I, I was afraid to call her for, you know, a week, and when I finally did, she wasn't available. She just wouldn't, she wasn't there. And anyway, I finally got a hold of her. She told me she couldn't sponsor anymore, and so, ugh, okay. So I started around the program for another year and a half or two years and um, couldn't quite get absent, started and stopped, tried to find a sponsor, tried to make friends. It just wasn't happening. Um, and I decided to leave. I woke up one day and said, you know what, there is no law saying I have to go to Overeaters Anonymous. I am not going to go. And so I stopped going. Um, I don't know if I gained most of my weight before or after that, but um, that year, I, I like to say I had the freshman negative 15 and the sophomore 70 because I gained most of my weight that year. Um, and then I, you know, floundered around just Again, more binge eating. I can rate the vending machine like you wouldn't believe. Um, I, you know, you could, I don't know how on a student's, like, income I had money to buy food, but I did. Um, I, anyway, and you could take some out of the cafeteria if you wanted. And, um, so, so fast forwarding, I, um, oh, my senior year in college, that was the largest number I ever saw on a scale was 189. I, I remember, oh, God, that day was really bad. And my, I, I was dating somebody at the time who, um, I think he just liked, well, he liked, he, he saw something. He liked, there's something that he liked. He didn't, no matter what my body size was, he still liked me. So, okay. Um, and um, I just remember being in his house, and I weighed in at 189. I was really depressed, and it was really hard. And I was, um, uh, that's the highest number I ever saw on a scale. I'm pretty sure I got closer to 200, just considering how much I was eating after that and how sedentary I was for, you know, the next few months after that. Um, and anyway, um, so that was my senior year. So, um, so getting to, like, there's an interesting food plant story. Uh, this is before I got back into the program. There was a time, like, after I graduated college, where for about three months where I worked two jobs. And I, um, I, uh, and that was, and that made, that made, and then I was working seven days a week. And so, so the days where I worked both of my jobs, my schedule was pretty much get up at six, eat breakfast, you know, go to my morning job, get done with my morning job, you know, drive over to my afternoon job, you know, eat my lunch, do, you know, go start my afternoon job, get a lunch break or get a dinner break, you know, for maybe 15 minutes, half an hour, depending on how busy we were, um, eat my dinner, and then get off work at 10.30 or 11 and go home and get up and do it all over again. So that was a, that's a three zero one right there. I was eating three meals a day with nothing in between. I was not trying to deal with portions. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't staying in check of the food, but I, was, I had boundaries around my food. And just doing that for, for two months, I lost like 20 pounds. Okay. Um, and I kind of stayed at that sort of middle weight for, um, for a few, uh, for, for, for quite a while, actually. And then one day, you know, um, uh, I came home from work, and the jeans that were, you know, loose in the morning were not tight in the, after, you know, in the afternoon because uh, I'd eaten so much. Just stuff at meetings, people leave stuff out, you know, again, rating more vending machines. Um, and I decided, I, you know, I wanted help losing the rest of this weight. And so I joined this commercial weight loss program. And, and you know, I, I'm not, I'm neither, I am neither endorsing nor opposing any cause. Um, it's a pretty good food plan. I, I sponsor people that use it, and, um, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, so again, whatever works. I'm just going to say that right out. Whatever food plan works and you feel good with and you can live with, that's what I think is a good food plan for any particular person. Um, okay, so so that's where I I lost a bunch of weight on that on that commercial diet plan. Um, I got I think the lowest weight I hit there was a little heavier than I am now. You know, maybe five or ten pounds heavier than I am now. And um, then I started to take, then the food just came back. You know, they talked about, you know, when you're getting healthy, the disease is doing push-ups in the backyard, and uh, mine was. I just started doing things I never did. Like, I would go to the grocery store, you know, with just enough clothes to be legal, you know. And, um, and you know, I had the story prepared for the clerk in case they wanted to know, you know, why I was buying all this junk. They never did. You know, I remember hiding from a cute guy, like, from my church that I saw, and I was like, me buying those stuff, you know, you know, and I, oh, and I was like, how, how humiliating, you know, and it's like, talk about, um, and I feel really sad when I think about that, because what an opportunity, thanks, okay, so I should get into details, um, I'll fast forward more, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, how, how sad is that to be hiding from someone who, that person could have been, I don't know, could have been a great friend, and I just, you know, missed an opportunity for connection, because I was, I didn't want to see me, you know, buying junk food, um, so, okay, so fast forwarding a little bit, how I got back into the program is I, uh, um, um, I had this great spiritual experience. I remember sitting on the beach with some OA literature. Oh, and, and, and backtracking a little bit, when I left program the first time, I, I had a friend who was kind of also, who, she's not in program now, but I, I think she's also an overeater, but she expressed interest in OA. And anyway, I'd given her all my OA books with the instructions of, you know, do whatever you want with these, I don't want them back. And, um, and I was thinking, when I was thinking about coming, thinking about, stopping overeating again. I asked her if she had the books still, and she said yes, and she gave them back to me. And I was reading them, and I remember telling God, yeah, I want to stop overeating, but I'm not going back to the way to do it. I'm going to, you know, I'll take care of physical with the commercial weight loss. I'll take diet plan. I'll take care of the, the emotional with therapy, and I'll take care of the spiritual with um, this church group I'm in. And there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. It just wasn't keeping me abstinent. And um, God, thank God my higher power is way more powerful than me. And uh Somehow, a month after having this conversation with, with God, I walked into a meeting on May 1st of 2000. I haven't left. Okay. So, um, and I actually, and my, my food plan is kind of, in, in, in many ways, it's, it's, it doesn't change a lot, but it has definitely evolved. Um, and, and this is just my opinion, but on my food plan, my food plan does not equal my abstinence. So if I deviate from my food plan, that does not automatically mean I've broken my abstinence. Um, there, there's some people that need to have super black and white, you know, boundaries around their food that, like, you know, if they break that, that equals breaking their options. And that's great. I, and if that works, do it. Um, I know for me that if I get into that, I can, I can just totally, you know, I don't know, like, if something, if someone keeps a little too much on my plate, you know, when they're, when they're um, serving me at a dinner party or something, and I end up eating it, I, I, can, I can just have this whole, like, mind thing that's going to just drive me crazy. Um, or, you know, so anyway. Uh, you know, should I eat it? Should I eat it? What do I do? And when I'm hungry, it's really hard to deal with that. So um, I need to have a flexible food plan. Um, now that said, sort of the basics of my food plan are um, I, I still basically do the 301, but I do have an optional snack, and I don't abuse that option. I don't have a snack every single day. Um, it's usually if there's going to be a really long period between, you know, lunch and dinner. And a snack for me is like a piece of fruit or a glass of milk, you know, so, so I'm very clear on what, on what that is. Um, I, I, I read labels, so I, I don't have sugar in the first five ingredients, if I know about it. I mean, let's be honest, I know there's probably some things I eat in restaurants that have sugar maybe in the third ingredient, and um, 
Forte didn't trigger me. If it does trigger me, I will write about it and talk, with my, talk to my sponsor. Um, um, uh, I, I don't drink alcohol, and, I, um, uh, and there are a few specific foods I just don't eat at all because they make me crazy. Um, the way I define my abstinence is I don't binge. Now, that's, that sounds pretty loose, but I, I, know when I've, I know what a binge is, you know. And also, to get really clear about it, you know, I have to find things like if I'm eating large amounts of food to, um, to uh, deal with my emotions, I'd call that a binge. Um, if I'm purposely eating sweets, like sugary, sugary snacks and, and, and desserts and stuff, that's breaking my abstinence. Um, so things like that. Um, there's a few ideals I try to do, but if it doesn't happen, I, I'm kind of okay with that. I try to only eat fruit once a day. Um, you know, but sometimes it's, sometimes I'm having two fruits a day, and that is fine. Um, I, I try to I do eat I do eat starches, um, but I, I have limits around them. You know, I try to have one one meal that doesn't have a starch in it. Um, there's there's certain ones I prefer over others that just feel better to eat, and when I'm at home I measure them because um, hey, you know, just keep pouring in the bowl. Yeah, that looks good. Um, so let's see what else. Um, I'm not sure else I can tell you. Um, I, I know. Let's see. Oh, the other the other thing. Um, speaking of you know finding a food plan that's right for you, um, I, I also discuss things with my sponsor. If I'm going to make something, if I'm going to do something um, kind of drastic, I talk with my sponsor first. Like recently, I've put a few specific foods on my bottom line. Like you know, if I eat one of these, that equals breaking my abstinence. Um, and I definitely I definitely found it important to talk with my sponsor. Thanks. Uh, about it um, because that's you know for me for me start starting over the count of abstinence is, is a big deal um, uh, also the other thing I'm going to say is that um, you've probably gotten that I'm calling I'm calling my abstinence imperfect I mean ideally I ate you know just these absolute perfect little amounts at every single meal you know and over the last nine years and you know I've never had any kind of angst about was that okay or not okay you know what it, that's not my story. And um, I, I did a lot of writing about this recently and, I, and praying. And really, I'm really clear. My higher power does not want me to, me to live in the paranoia of perfectionism. You know, um, again, like I said, some people need to have the, you know, bite per bite spelled out. You know, uh, um, if I had one extra bite, I broke my abstinence kind of kind of abstinence. Um, I, that's, that doesn't work for me. So, um, and, um, and if, yeah. So, and, and one of the coolest things my sponsor ever told me in terms of, of, how, to, of how to think about this is that ultimately, it, I, can, I can talk to people, I can listen to people, I can compare my food plan and, and my program to everybody else, but ultimately it's between my higher power, if that's okay. So, um, I, I think that's all I have to say about today. Um, if, if there's an ask you about going around, so if you want to hear any more, if there's anything I left out, or you want to need to talk about more, Put it, on a, put it on a question, and maybe we'll address it later. So, thanks. Uh, where is the ask it basket? Anybody know? The blue basket with a pad of paper in it? Great. Could we continue to pass that around for those that might have arrived a little later? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Katie. And our second speaker is Erin from San Francisco. I'm a compulsive overeater, and my name is Erin, and I'm incredibly nervous. Hi, 
the good news about that is I haven't had to eat over it. And I'm really grateful for that because there was a time when I wouldn't have been able to say that. So um, I'm supposed to qualify and give you some of my statistics. So um, I'll be 69 this year, and I got the program in February of 2007. And um, I date my abstinence from the day after my very first meeting. But how I got to that first meeting was a much longer journey. And um, I don't remember having issues around food as a kid. And I was a normal weight kid. But somewhere in my teens, weight became a defining factor for me. And for the next 60 years, it seems like, maybe it was closer to 50, um, I lived my life based on my weight. I was either eating or dieting. My enjoyment of life was on hold until I got to the right weight. If I just got to the right weight, then everything would be wonderful. And it just never happened. I spent all of my adult life yo-yo dieting. And sometimes I was somewhat successful. I don't think I ever lost all of the weight I intended to lose on any diet I ever started. But I can tell you I always gained back more than I lost after every diet I ever started. Um, I don't know what I weighed when I came to program. I know that the top recorded weight, my top recorded weight was 213 pounds. Um, about five months, six months before I got into program, the last recorded weight before program was 192 pounds. And I spent those last five to six months trying to work up yet again the energy and the courage to tackle yet another diet. And I just, I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. I, I, I had reached the point where I was really considering that I was going to have to accept that I was going to die fat because I could not. I just couldn't even think, wrap my mind around trying to do another diet. And I remember just before I came to my first meeting, standing in the middle of my kitchen and being absolutely overwhelmed by feeling sick and tired of being defeated by food. And it was the very first time I had ever put that into words. The feeling had been there, but I didn't know what it was. And I am I'm very grateful because part of part of my history includes having gotten sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had at the point that I came to you, I had twenty six years of recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I recognized that that was 
surrender. But I also knew that if I just sat with that feeling and did nothing more, that very shortly I would begin to eat again and we'd start the rat race all over again. And so I walked out of the kitchen. I walked and sat down at my computer. I looked up Overeaters Anonymous and I got a meeting directory. And I don't know, within a couple of days, I went to my first meeting. Um, I really felt like a newcomer. I did have a foundation in recovery, but like every other newcomer I've ever talked to, I was terrified. I sat down in the chair watching other people come in, trying not to breathe, trying not to be noticed, and wondering, oh my God, am I in the right place? And um, an interesting thing happened. I didn't know anyone in Overeaters Anonymous at that point. I didn't know anyone in AA who was also in Overeaters. And someone I did know from outside either program walked into the room. And it was the sign I needed to know I was in the right place. I picked up a lot of literature the first night that I was there. And I went home and I read the literature. Because I also know this is a program of action. And I needed to find out what it was I needed to do. And one of the, one of the pieces of literature I picked up was the dignity of choice. It's still my foundation and Bible around eating. Um, the thing that I really, really like about the dignity of choice but the very first food plan it offered was one that made sense to me. But in addition to saying, you know, what, how many servings of what I needed and, and how to kind of figure that out, um, on the very next page, it said what serving sizes were. A half a cup of this or an ounce of that. That was something that had always baffled me, was what is a serving size? And I, you know, I kind of figured it out finally, that why I was always so baffled by what a serving size was, is because a lot of those diets out there tell you what a serving size is. But you see, a diet was never a plan of eating. It was a diet. It had a beginning and it had an end. When you stopped, when you lost the weight, you stopped the diet and you went back to living. So, you know, the serving sizes that they gave you, those weren't real serving sizes. Those were weight loss serving sizes. And I never took the information from the diet back into life with me. And that was that was one of the gifts that this dignity of choice gave me, was a serving size that made sense for me. So um, I began going to more meetings. I got a sponsor. I got a food sponsor to start with, and then I got a step sponsor. Um, and I, I sponsor. I'm sponsored. I do service. 
This is not my favorite form, but I do it. I don't know if you can hear them, but I can sure feel those butterflies. But what I do in terms of my food plan was one of the first realizations I had was that I could not approach a food plan as a diet. I had to change my thinking about my eating. And so when I began thinking about that, one of the things that um, occurred to me was that dieting for me had always been about limitations. How little. How, how much you can take out. How much you have to give up. And so I wanted to approach a food plan from a sense of abundance. How much can I have? Not in terms of necessarily in terms of quantity. I was willing to follow the portion sizes that were offered in the dignity of choice. But I wanted to have as rich and inclusive a food plan that was realistic for me. One of the things that I had realized over the years, both because of my recovery in AA and because of my personal experience, was desserts don't belong on my food plan. My food plan cannot include desserts. Desserts are a trigger for me. There is no such thing as one cookie. And if there were, why bother? <laughs> you know? Sugar in and of itself does not appear to be a problem for me. Now, I also read labels. I read them for uh, what they have in them in terms of nutritional value, as well as in terms of is there anything in them that I don't want in my body. I don't... I try to avoid chemicals and non-natural substances just because I don't think they're very healthy and I don't want I want to, my food to nourish me I want it to be nutritionally nourishing and I don't think I need chemicals to do that so I, I read uh, labels and if they've got unpronounceable <laughs> ingredients, I don't, I don't ingest it. So I don't know what it is. I don't ingest it. I also, um, you know, if, if sugar is the primary purpose for this particular substance, whatever it may be, I leave that out. But as Katie mentioned, if it's the fifth or sixth ingredient, if I, Shortly after I got abstinent, I was looking at a, a stew recipe, and it had two pounds of meat and called for two, pound, two, two teaspoons of sugar. I made it as the recipe called for. It did not taste sweet. It did not trigger me. I didn't care for the recipe. I've never made it again. <laughs> um, 
I also wanted my food plan to be inclusive for another reason. I have a loving husband. I have family. I have friends. Part of our lifestyle is to get together and share meals. And in fact, Sunday, I won't be able to be here because we're having our family spring birthday celebration. And I did not want my food plan to be a burden to anyone else. And so I wanted it to be as transparent to the people that I spend time with and care about as possible. Now, my daughter is an incredible baker. She loves to bake tarts, fresh plum pie. She, you know, chocolate is one of the things that it does not appear on my food plan for a very good reason. She makes a wonderful chocolate walnut tart. And it's been very difficult for her when I've had to say, it looks lovely, sweetie, I'm going to pass. She supports me in it. But she misses the companionship that we used to share over her baking. And so we really try and find that companionship in ways that work for both of us. And she's still, she's usually the one at our birthday celebrations who brings the dessert because she is incredible with it. But she's gotten comfortable with, no thank you. I mean, I didn't even have wedding cake at her wedding. Um, one of the things that in looking at my food plan that I knew was a problem for me was no diet I was ever on ever made it past a vacation. <laughs> and I came into program uh, toward the end of February and my husband and I were going on vacation in middle April, and I really, really, really was concerned about that. And I called my food sponsor, and I talked to her about it. And she said, well, let me ask you something, Erin. I said, okay. She said, um, would you have a glass of wine because you're on vacation? It's like, I haven't had a glass of wine in over 26 years. No. Vacation or no, I don't drink wine. And it, it just, it clicked for me. I don't have to break my abstinence because I'm on vacation. I may have to be a little more flexible because it may be more difficult to get the things that I normally would eat at the times I would normally eat them. Because if you're on vacation for two or three weeks, it's a little more difficult to carry all your food with you then for two or three days. Um, at home, I do weigh and measure, uh, particularly those things that are hard to eyeball, like cereal. Um, I do eat cereal, but I do measure it. And uh, I also, this is one of the places where I read the ingredients. And I have, there's only one or two cereals I found that don't have any sugar at all. And they're like cardboard. <laughs> so 
So my rule of thumb on substances like that is the fiber content has to be higher than the sugar content. And so I have two cereals, actually I have three cereals that meet that criteria that I will vary in my diet, um, my food plan, excuse me. Um, there are some other sort of baseline rules I use in determining what I will and will not eat. And some of them have to do with um, behaviors and some of them have to do with emotions. One, I do not punish myself with food anymore. I don't care how good it is for you. If it tastes like cardboard, I don't eat it. If it tastes like cardboard to me. I don't count calories. I don't count uh, fat grams. I will weigh and measure portions. But I don't count, you know, how many calories have I had today. That gets me into deprivation that gets me into dieting. I, I cannot afford to go there today. I no longer reward myself with food. You know, I used to go on a, on a diet and I'd lose some weight and then I'd reward myself with some cookies. I don't do that today. I don't celebrate happy events with food. My daughter, who's 40 and was really, um, she and her husband wanted to have children and it's been very difficult. There are some medical challenges and she went through in vitro and we found out that she had transferable um, fertilized eggs and my thought was where are we going to go for dinner to celebrate? And then I thought uh-uh, we're going to go home and have just a regular meal, we can celebrate, not because of the food or where we go. We can celebrate because this is an exciting, happy event in our family that we did not believe was going to happen. Um, I don't eat because I'm nervous. I don't eat because I'm sad. Uh, I have a chronic back condition that periodically flares up on me, and I recognize that I used to eat when I was in pain. <coughs> I don't do that anymore. I believe that whether I was born that way or whether it developed over time, my hunger response is broken. I don't even have to think about food and my stomach will say, you're hungry. You know, I can see a sign on the highway. I just, just had lunch 20 minutes ago. And somebody says, you know, let's, let's go do this and have this to eat and I'm hungry. So I don't rely on the signal of physical hunger for when I eat. I wish I could. I envy the people who can say, I've had enough. I don't need any more. I'm, I'm not there yet. Maybe that will happen with recovery. I don't know. But for today, I look at what time it is. 
I normally have breakfast sometime between 7 and 8.30 in the morning. Lunch is normally between 11.30 and 1.30, and dinner is sometime between 5 and 7. And if it isn't one of those times, I don't eat. I do eat three meals a day. Um, I do not normally snack. I have, on occasion, I will do what I call splitting a meal, which may be splitting a hair, but um, when we're traveling, this is when it usually comes up. And on the road, it's not always possible for me to get kind of a well-balanced meal that's enjoyable. And so what I what we do is I always carry fruit with us, apples, oranges, something that travels well. We often take our cereal. Um, and what I will do is if I've had enough at the time I've eaten, I'll say, okay, there was no fruit with this meal. I will have a piece of fruit if I get hungry enough before the next meal. And that rarely happens. That rarely happens. But I do reserve the right to have my lunch piece of fruit sometime before dinner if dinner gets delayed and I really need to eat something. But ordinarily, I don't snack. That's just what works for me. I'm going to take just a moment and see if... Um, okay. Um, one thing that's very, very important for me is that I must plan. Now, I don't plan every single bite for every meal. I have some sort of general guidelines, but my planning includes I have to um, shop for the foods I'm going to need. I have to have them on hand or in the cupboard. Uh, I have to, I love to cook. I'm retired. I love to cook. So I have to allow time for cooking. And um, so it, for me, one of the things that I really have to think about in, in what I say yes to in my life is, did I allow time for my meals, including the time to shop for the ingredients, including the time to prepare the meal, and to be able to eat it. It's not that I feel like I'm missing out on life, but my life works better if my food is working for me. And that's what I need to do in order to ensure that my abstinence, my food is working for me. The, um, let's see. You know, um, I think I've really covered the points that are most important to me for my food plan, and it's been working for a little over three years. Um, the scale is a tool that I do not use. I found that in my dieting days, uh, I would weigh if I hadn't lost that was an excuse to eat and look for another diet because what I was doing wasn't working. If I had lost, then I could go reward myself with that cookie and start the next binge. So 
the, the, the scale, people scale. The food scale works. The people scale in my house is broken. I do not use it. I get weighed about once a year, and I don't know what my goal weight is. Uh, I do know that I have gone from a BMI in the obese category to the upper level of overweight, and I'm hoping in this year that I will be in the middle of an overweight BMI. I would love to get to a normal BMI. I don't know if I'll make it. I have gone from 2X, 18 to 22, down to 10 to 14 sizes. I am so grateful to be here. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Erin. The speakers will now draw questions from the Ask It Basket for the remainder of the meeting. Where is the Ask It Basket? Great. Can I have it? I like this one. Um, do you pray before you eat, asking HP for help to stop? Um, I actually do pray before I eat. Um, it's usually more of a like a Thanksgiving, like thank you for this food and 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 um, um, thank you for the abundance. Um, in terms of help to stop, I actually usually pray as part of the morning. Um, I haven't been doing it lately because it hasn't been. I haven't felt weirdness around my food lately, but um, often sometimes in the morning I'd be like, hey, God, help me just do your will around food and, and things like that, and, and that sort of, even before food is in front of me, I do that, so. Do you want to look anyway? That's, that, I, I more or less do that, too. I start my day asking for the help that I need to stay on track with my food. Um, I don't often pray before meals, but prayer is, is kind of how I live my life today. Um, and I do give a lot of thanks. I have a period of meditation in the morning, and I give a lot of thanks just for having a conscious contact with a power greater than myself today. Thank you. Okay, how is the food plan different from a diet since you can go off your food plan? Um, breaking abstinence, then you have to start again. Okay, so there's a, I think there's two distinctions here. So diet versus food plan, um, I think diet sort of has well, one is usually, you know, an implied endpoint. Like, I'm going to stop dieting when I get to X weight. Um, diet, diet, diets usually have, are a little more, I think as Aaron touched on, they're a little, they seem to be a little more restrictive than a food plan. Um, so, so a food plan is kind of, 
you know, I mean, it's one day at a time program, but I, you know, usually advice, really good advice I've heard is like, well, pick a food plan you can stick with, you know, that's reasonable, um, that you can live with. Um, in terms of abstinence, um, uh, so like, the, I guess you could say like abstinence should be black and white and food plan doesn't have to be. That's just my opinion. Um, and again, like I said before, your abstinence can be black and white and your food can be, be equally black and white. And so then you know if you deviate from your food plan, you've um, broken abstinence. But I don't – so I guess what I'm trying to say is so my food plan could be, you know, um, you know three meals a day, nothing in between, um, and optional snack. However, just the other day I had – just because of the way timing was, it ended up being a two-meal and one-snack day. Was that bad? Was it a break in abstinence? No. I didn't compulsively overeat. I knew that's kind of how it was going to work, and I had really good nutritious meals. Um, so that's kind of what I understand that. Do you wanna... The only thing that I would add to that is, um, for me, abstinence is not about what I've eaten or not eaten. Abstinence for me is freedom from the compulsion and the craving around food. I don't walk out in my kitchen and open the refrigerator going, what have I got to eat? I can go to a buffet and I'm not the person standing next to the food and only talking to you with half my mind. I'm probably at the other end of the room, not because I'm avoiding the food, but simply because I don't have to be there with the food. I often eat before I go to buffet situations, to, depending on the timing, you know, I've got to look at the clock, to make sure that I'm not going to set myself up for eating things that are not going to be appropriate on my food plan. But the other thing about my food plan is I knew it had to be for the rest of my life, one day at a time, but it had to be something that I could live with. I like what you said about that. Sorry. <laughs> okay, this is, this is another good question. I am a small female. All of the serving sizes are too large for me. I get confused about making a food plan. Um, okay, so... There's a couple of thoughts I have on this. This is, this is definitely a situation to talk about with a sponsor, perhaps. And also, um, in terms of my experience on things like this, is that um, it might be uh, an opportunity to sort of experiment, and maybe that's a scary term, um, but if, like, say there's a food plan that says you eat two cups of this, one cup of this, so, you know, whatever, um, scale that back a little bit, maybe one cup, half a cup, whatever, and until it feels good. I mean, I know my food plans, I, I, I eat less now than I did well, I think I eat less now than I did in, you know, when I first had abstinence. Like, there's certain meals that just feel too big, so I don't, I don't eat them or I eat them differently, um, and 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 I, and that and that's what works for me. So, um, uh, I guess, yeah, definitely talk it over and then sort of be comfortable playing with it. It might be something if, if it's scary to experiment, maybe you know, plan it out. Okay, today I'm going to eat this much of these things. So, um, that's the best I can do on that one. I'm definitely eating less today. I, even though I use the guide for what each meal should contain, I did find for myself, and I'm not small, 
um, I did find for myself that some of the meals were too large. Now, the only caveat I would have in terms of, I, I like talk with a sponsor or with a nutritionist. I don't happen to have a history of restricting in my background. So for me to evaluate, well, I really don't need four ounces of protein at breakfast, at dinner and at lunch. Three ounces is adequate. I can I can make that. It's not based on calories. It's I mean I do talk to my sponsor about it, but I think just be honest about your background. If restricting is in your background, you probably want to be very cautious about um, how you address the amounts in your food plan. Um, how do you keep yourself from getting too hungry? That was one of the gifts of the program for me. I learned that I could survive from dinner until breakfast the next morning and I didn't die. I used to think that I had to eat because I was hungry and that I couldn't sleep unless I had something to eat and I'd get up and have nuts and milk and cheese and whatever. And when I made the commitment to three meals a day and nothing in between, amazingly, I got from dinner until breakfast. Now, I was hungry at breakfast and I had breakfast. And so I've discovered over the last three years that I can get from one meal to the next without having to eat, even when I feel hungry. And sometimes I do. And right now I could eat. Right now. <laughs> but it's almost time. <laughs> yeah, just to add to that, I think... Um, I hate, I hate that I'm using the word experiment again, but I know um, I have I have had times where I've eaten too little. It's like, okay, I'm hungry, um, and maybe next time I'll do it better. I, I think in terms of, kind of like what Aaron said, I think we get used to our food plan. I, I think, um, I'm not trying to say this, and there are going to be times when you're just going to be hungry and, 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 and just know you're not going to die for the next meal. Um, um, I've, I've gone through, I went through a period a few years ago when I switched shifts, and for some reason, I was starving all the time. Don't ask me why this happened. I, and I was eating meals that were pretty substantial. I mean, we're talking like the pretty much the limit of what could still be considered an absent meal. And I'd be starving like two hours later. What the hell is that? I don't know. But, um, you know, eventually it evened out. And I think, I think the way I feel about it, um, if, someone, if, if, one, if we're hungry all the time, like, you know, it's like too hungry all the time, that may be a sign you're not eating enough. Um, but I think most of the time... We get used to eating less, and so that too hungry kind of goes away after a while. Um, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, it, I'm not sure what to say on this. Um, I, so, sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks. Uh, who really decides the food plan? Sponsor, self, doctor? And this is a great question. My opinion is ultimately it's the self. Um, if if I decided that I'm gonna delegate to a sponsor that they're going to tell me what to eat, I've decided that. Um, if I'm going to rely on my doctor to tell me, I've decided that. Um, if you want to get really ultimate, it's higher power. Um, but it's, 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 I have to do the work. I have to, I have to listen to the message of my sponsor or my doctor or my higher power or whatever, and I'm the one that 
is going to go shopping and pick up the food and and cook and that kind of thing. Um, so that's what I have to know. Okay. Uh, can you discuss dealing with culture and eating and or eating absently while enjoying the pleasure gifts of food? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what this is addressing, but in, um, the things I can think of are um, maybe like holidays or ethnic foods. Um, I guess in terms of ethnic foods, I know I can eat at most kinds of, uh, you know, uh, not American kind of food places. Um, there's certain things that just are not okay, like you know, sweet and sour chicken. Yeah, the big you know, corn syrupy sauce. No, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but there's most, I'd say for most uh, cultures, I could eat something there. Um, in terms of holidays, um, that for me is, um, uh, I think, uh, I'm trying to formulate what I'm gonna say. Um, it's okay to eat something at Thanksgiving. It's okay to eat something at Christmas dinner. Um, I think for me, I, I just need to have a plan of how I'm going to deal with what's there. Um, fortunately, in my family, you know, they, they, they know I'm in program. I can ask them what's going to be on the menu so I can plan what of that I'm going to eat. Um, or I can go in there with a basic plan of, like, here, I'm going to have one plate. I'm going to have a little bit of everything, everything I can have. I'm not going to have dessert. I'm not going to drink alcohol. And I'll spell it all out. Um, um, and And... Everybody's pretty, uh, and, I'll, and, the, and the thing I'll ask is there's certain things you can put sugar in and some people do and do not, and my mother's really good about setting things aside for me. I just ask her, if, if you forget to do that, just tell me so I don't accidentally eat this stuff. Um, and and that was, I was really comfortable at holidays for a while, and recently, but recently, the last few years, people decided, I'm going to make this special sugar-free dessert, you know, to try to accommodate me or something, and, um, you know, I, I can, I can... There's a few sugar-free things I can do that are comfortable, but like if it's if it looks like a pie, it's still a pie. Sorry, um, you know, if it's like fruit, yeah, I can probably do fruit for dessert. That's that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's, anyway. So uh, so and the way I've handled that, you know, the whole like I made this for you deal. It's like I don't have to eat this. I, I, I'm really, I'm not gonna eat it. And so instead of having this whole like discussion of like, well, no, I'm not gonna eat it. I I, I anyway. My thing I came up with is, like, I can say, okay, well, I, I can take some home, you know, and they don't have to know if I eat it or not, you know. I'll just take it home. I'll actually take it home. I can say I'm full. I don't want any right now, you know, but I'll take it home. And that worked great. And, and I tried this last Thanksgiving. And ironically, other people at the table, people that would have eaten, like, traditional dessert, were also full and saying, no, I don't want dessert. And I was like, score. I'm not the only one, you know. So um, so that's that's my input on that. You know, I don't really think I have a whole lot to add. Like I said, one of the things that's a part of our family is we do get together four times a year. And uh, we celebrate spring birthdays in the spring, and then we have uh, fall birthdays in the fall, and we have Christmas, and we have Chinese New Year's because part of our family is Chinese. And these are times when we get together and we have food, people, um, we often do a potluck, sometimes we go to a restaurant, um, 
And generally what I do, there, aside from the desserts, and people know I'm not going to do the desserts, but almost everything else, I will take a small portion. Um, the total amount that I eat is within my guidelines. But I may have, you know, small portions of a lot of things that I wouldn't normally, like when we have um, celebrate Chinese New Year's, I mean, these are banquets. We may have 11, 12, 15 dishes. And of those, there, there may be two that are desserts. So I'm still left with dealing with this other 9 to 14 dishes. I will have a taste. Uh, and I usually find that by the time I've tasted all of them, a bite or two, I've had an adequate meal. And I've had the pleasure of the company. And no one's had to go... Oh, did you, did, can we get you something else? You know, they know that I'm responsible for my food and I take care of it. And um, I love holidays. Okay, this is an easy one-word answer. Portion sizes are a problem for me. Three meals a day is too much food at one meal, and I eat too much volume at one meal, that is a trigger. I have tried three meals a day, but I end up compulsively overeating. A small breakfast, lunch, and dinner with a small protein snack mid-morning and mid-afternoon seems to work better. Is this okay? Yes. <laughs> I agree. As a sponsor, what suggestions do you give and what boundaries do you have for sponsees developing their definition of abstinence and choosing a food plan? I share my experience, strength, and hope. I tell them how I define my abstinence, what parameters I use in defining my food plan, and then I work with them in terms of, you know, if, if they want to take out this, that, and the other thing, the only thing I ask is, why? Don't give up anything you don't have to give up. Life is too rich and full. Be inclusive. If you do have an allergy to sugar and need to be more restrictive than just giving up dessert, great. If you do have an allergy to flowers or wheat or whatever and you need to take it out of your food plan, great. But don't do it just because somebody else said, no white flour, no sugar. Know why you're making the choices you are. Because if you know why you're making the choices you are and you're making them for yourself, you're more likely to be able to stick with them. Uh, can you give more details on the amounts you eat, particularly carbohydrates? Um, okay, so generally. Generally, I don't weigh and measure my vegetables. Um, I don't weigh and measure a lot, um, especially when I'm out, um, but I do weigh and measure some things at home. And I often, um, I often go with sort of pre-measured things, like, you know, two eggs, you know, a chicken breast, um, you know, a piece of bread, or, you know, a sandwich with two pieces of bread, something like that. Um, 
and you know, like I I measure my cereal. Um, uh, so I might not be the best person to talk about this because I don't weigh and measure everything. <laughs> so, but I, I just I guess from from practice, um, like I said, when I when I when I was doing that commercial diet plan, there's there, there's a lot of weight measuring required, and so I kind of learned what portion sizes are, and I, I don't recommend eyeballing it when you're first starting out, but I can kind of eyeball a lot of things. Like, I know that potato's too big, so I'll get the, you know, the smaller one, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm a little more feeling on it, so I, I, sorry, maybe I should just shut up and let, do you want to talk on this one? Yeah. I don't want to confuse anybody, so. Well, this kind of um, fits in with this other one. Do you think one ounce of grain only per day leads to hair loss? Should should we eat more grains to be healthy, and how much grain per day? Um, I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know. Uh, I do know that following the guidelines in the dignity of choice has worked for me. Now, do I always eat all of the grains or all of the protein. No, I have I have a feel for what what I need. I use that as a base. I don't add to it, but I may eat less on occasion. Now I often eat cereal twice a day, cereal, fruit, and yogurt twice a day. Can you tell us the Uh, fiber One, that's the one I eat for breakfast. If I do cereal a second time during the day, I eat Kashi Golin, not the crunch, but the kind of the original one. And then there's a um, heritage brand of flake that I keep on hand and occasionally will will eat that one. But that one, there's only one one gram of difference between the sugar and and the fiber, and I like a little more spread if I can get it. So those are the three that I use. You know what? Can we have you ask these questions? Great. Okay. There's one two left, and they're pretty straightforward. Did you want to make any comments about that? I yeah, I don't have a. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know. And it's the answer to the next two questions is probably going to be a similar answer to what Aaron just gave. Are you cool if I just read, I'll just read two, both of them. Um, is it okay to substitute a vegetable for a fruit if I am fighting candida, which is a yeast infection due to sweet fruits or sugar? And the other one is, if I am allergic to dairy, is soy milk okay? Um, from my perspective, yes. Um, in terms of, like, specific nutritional needs, in terms of dealing with any kind of physical condition, that's probably something to talk to a doctor nutritionist, nutritionist about. But in terms of, like, overall food plans, Great, cool, rock on. So. Okay, uh, it is now time to close. Let's thank our speakers, Aaron and Katie. <laughs> and all who have done service. Please join me. Please stand and join hands as we close with the OA promise, I put my hand in yours.
Oh, there we go. Sweet. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we can never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It'll work when you work it and you're worth it. Thank you.